Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You can see I'm really excited. Look at that wifey. I'm so excited. Look at that face on my... Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Collider Ladies Night. This time around, I have one of my absolute favorites on the show. It's Aza Gonzalez. Hello. Congratulations. <laughs> Am I my own audience? <laughs> For the time being, but when everyone else sees this, I can assure you there will be many, many more people out there. Okay. As much as I, and as much as I Hi love everyone else. <laughs> Our five minute chats are fun, but it's very nice to have a long form conversation right now and have you in the lady night house. I love that. Okay, let's do this. Right back at the very, very beginning. First thing here. What is the very first thing that you remember making you say, I have to be an actor, whether it's a movie you love, seeing an idol do it, a personal experience, you name it. Um, I had two like moments like that in my career. It was one with music and first with music and then second with acting. My first moment that I was like, I wanna be a singer, it was watching Christina Aguilera sing. I definitely don't have that voice, but I, this is something that I'd love to do. I was already kind of doing it and then I was like, I'm gonna fully pursue this. This was when I was seven. <laughs> I'm gonna fully pursue this career at seven years old. And then, which is not a crazy thing, I guess, at this day and age, but at the time when I was young in Mexico was bananas to really think that that was a possibility. And then acting wise, I was in acting school. I was in my first musical theater class ever. I was 12. I got to play Rizzo on Grease. And we were, uh, our final test was, you know, had to do the whole play live with your family, <laughs> your parents. It's a big audience called your mom and dad who ultimately always think you're perfect. So it wasn't really important. <laughs> but, um, but I did it and I was just like, I'm obsessed with acting, this is it. And then I remember having a sit down with my mother after that and I was like, uh, I don't have to look further. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, this is it, this is my life calling. And she was such a sport. I mean, she went with it. She's like, if you want this and you really believe in yourself, I believe in you and we just did it. And luckily it worked out for the best because then I would have been not even in school and just a failure. <laughs> 
<laughs> when you said that to your mom, what did you initially picture when you saw yourself making it? Was it getting an Oscar? Was it being an no, actor? Oh my God, girl, that's like, you're crazy. That's not even a possibility at this point. I'm like, it's 19, it's, it had to be, no, this is 2002, Mexico City. So like ultimately what my biggest like achievement could be was like maybe recording an album or maybe being in a soap opera in Mexico. Um, that was it. I never really thought of myself of going to Hollywood, you know, or doing whatever the hell I'm doing right now that I don't understand how it happened. So yeah, it was very, it's very humbling because I never even thought every day I'm like, wow, how the F am I here? Do you remember the first thing that made you say, like, I'm here and I'm doing it now? And it actually made that that dream kind of feel attainable? I have had a lot of moments like that. It just never ends. It's it's just really bananas because you you as an especially me at least, you go between like I really believe in myself. I deserve to be here and I've worked really hard. So I should look at it with conviction and drive and like own it and fully own it because if I own it, other people will respect me. And then fully like, holy shit, like I'm in a Godzilla versus Kong movie. And I'm like, I had multiple moments recently just doing a movie with Michael Bay and I was with Jake Gyllenhaal and said, and I remember growing up watching Donnie Darko and I was no joke, like probably 12, 11 and being like, wow, he is the coolest and then i'm in a scene with him and i'm like how is this possible and then like being a michael bay you know girl and it's it's just it, it like mind blown sometimes so i did want to ask you about your experience studying acting in school because i know formal acting training is different wherever you go and it's unique for every uh, individual's experience so given the fact that you went to more than one program is there any particular one that kind of felt like the right match for you and the way you wanted to study your craft I think that, you know, at the beginning of my career, I was just happy to be here. You're young. You don't know. You don't have like, I'm going to be this professional actor. I mean, maybe people do. I did not. I was just like, my full energy was like, I'm happy to be here. And I like the same way that I address my life now, which is the imposter syndrome 24 um, seven. I was just like, oh, someone cares about looking at me. This is great. I'll do my best. But Ultimately, I think the moment that I went to Strasbourg was what really changed my career because a it was challenging. It was the first time really studying acting in English, even though I had to go. I've gone to an American school. It was just regular school, you know. It was middle school, whatever. It wasn't specific to the arts. Um, so that was it. And then there was, you know, I love my teachers and there was a lot of belief, even though at the time there wasn't a lot of opportunities that I could make it there. And it was, it felt like a smaller scale too. So it felt more like a possibility because at the time I wasn't thinking Hollywood. I was thinking theater. I wanted to do musical theater. My dream was to be in Broadway. Um, so it felt more of a realistic possibility because I felt like theater has always been a place where people can be quirky and different and not necessarily a stereotypical beauty or whatever that is. And you can really find a space for yourself. And that's where it really changed for me. And at the time, I still went back to Latin America. I worked in Argentina after that. But Hollywood really was never, I never, I don't know if you know, but I never moved to Hollywood thinking I'm going to move to Hollywood and make the dream. It just happened, um, which is uh, crazy. Well, in that case, how, how did it happen? How did the conversation get started that made you think, you know, maybe I should move to LA? It was not like that at all. I never had a conversation. It's a 
complete um, accident. Um, it's actually crazy. I, I, you know, I've acted at this point. I'm 21 years old. I've worked for a long time in Latin America. I started when I was really young. I've now worked for Nickelodeon at this point. I've recorded, like, I don't even know, like six albums at this point. They were the, like, because I was part of that machine of like kids shows. So you do like 40 albums. Like, so I was just like, okay, I'm going to go. So I'd always come to LA because for me, this, the Hollywood dream was always like just being here and being able to like go to like, whatever a place and look at the stars on the floor and it was just a dream and it kept me inspired so every time that i would find jump from one job to the other i would move to i would come to la and and hang and just like walk down hollywood boulevard and look at the streets and like be inspired by the dream and that just gave me a lot of energy to go back and do work and so one of the few times that i ended up this is a wild story i hope we have the time um i long story short came here i was really sad i had just ended uh, a really big relationship and i was really depressed and i needed to leave mexico because i grew up being a teen you know so when you're a teen the the public and the and the press can be very brutal so i needed to remove myself from it for a minute so i rented out this landscaper's house back room there was not airbnbs or anything at the time she had like an open room a friend of a friend knew her I rented the place and my mother, who's the dear, I, it's all the making of my mother in the most innocent way was just like, you're just in LA. Like, why don't you go for an audition? And I was like, mom, that's not how it works. You need an agent and a manager. You have no idea what you're saying. She's like, oh, some friend of mine told me something about like this thing called IMDB pro. I think you have a profile. I think I'm going to put your name and my email under it and just see what happens. And I just like, sure, mom. And she knew that I was really depressed and sad at the time. So then she called me one day and she's like, there's this audition. I was like, I don't even know how to audition in America. Like I don't have a rep. They're like, they're just telling you to go. So I did. I had no idea. I never auditioned in English in my life, but I just did it for the shits and giggles. You know, I was like, okay, I'll do it. It's not going to happen. So then I did. And then it sounds very self-indulgent, but it really happened this way. I had a callback and then I didn't really know what I was auditioning for. And then I had another callback and I was like, what is happening? And then long story short, it turned out I was auditioning for Star Wars for the force awakened i was completely clueless because you know they give you dummy sides you don't know what you're reading now i know all this information but at the time you know you can see they i think daisy ridley was just casted out of nowhere like they like unknown people so we were lucky to do that obviously didn't book it but like went pretty far and i was like great awesome that was great moving back to mexico it didn't happen that will be a great story for the rest of my life and then like a week later, I got a call on my remember flip phone at the time that I had bought at a CVS. Um, and I got a call from an audition from a casting director. And she's like, Oh, this other director saw your material. He wants to read you. Can you read? I taped myself long story short, it was Robert Rodriguez. A month later, I was moving to Austin and I did from dust till dawn. And I don't know how this happened. My second audition. That is wild. I love that. I'm so glad you shared that story. <laughs> It was crazy. Also I like a total like just meant to be moment, I guess, because it's bananas. I was revisiting our first interview ever, and it was for From Dusk Till Dawn at uh, South by Southwest yep. in what, like 2013, 14? Yeah. Yep. I was busy watching that, and I'm busy like critiquing myself and thinking about how much I've grown from way back then to where I am now. So what would you say? And I'm sure there's a million answers to this is oh like- my difference between your mentality then 
and where you're at right now. I'm just so grateful that Robert was so patient with me because I'm, I was so terrible. Like on that show, I was such a bad actress. I was so bad. It's just, it was so hard. I was so terrified. I was, I was so scared. Cause I was scared. Cause it was my first English job ever. I had a lot of pressure. I was like, Oh my God, this was iconic. This was sell my, I'm going to totally screw this up. I was like overacting most of the time. Cause I was coming off of melodrama, like acting in soap opera. So I didn't even know the American, like I didn't, it was, I was so bad, but I will tell you something. I had so much fun and Robert was so patient and really believed in me and made me feel very safe. And even though I was awful because I was um he was just very like it's good it's fine you can't always be great like you get great at sucking and then getting better but there's something about you and you have such a good attitude and you're very like willing to learn and I was and I started learning a lot and then I I was like always in a humble place where like I'm terrible, but I'm going to learn I'm terrible and I'm going to learn and then I've 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 always approached everything that way and now it's like day and night. Now I feel confident, right? Like I feel like I, I've grown into, you're talking about my early 20s versus now I'm in my 30s, early 30s, but still that's a big brink of, of, of time for women. And I just feel confident in my choices. I was just talking about it in an interview recently. I was like saying, being a good actor just becomes being more confident about your choices. It's not even about being good at acting itself, whatever that is. It's just feeling confident that what you're doing and the choice you're doing is the truth and you believe it deeply and it involves a lot of confidence. So it's really funny because I just, it's been, I mean, so much has happened in such a quick time. Makes a whole lot of sense. Acting and I guess just art in general isn't really something you can boil down to a like a mathematical formula or, or a set of rules or anything. So you got to feel it yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the very first project that you did where you were on set and you're like, like, I'm, I'm feeling it. Like, I, I feel that confidence creeping in now. Baby driver. I think Baby Driver was it. I, I had come off of two seasons of From Dust Till Dawn. I had already gone through my first season of over-enunciating with my mouth a lot and <laughs> having someone making me feel good about it and then figuring it out and feeling confident. And then I had I, I, am, I always credit Robert for my boost of confidence because the way he approaches the, his actors is very warm and loving. It's not like judgmental. And so for when I got to set on Baby Driver, I I auditioned for that movie. I think I, I was the only person that auditioned for that cast. So I felt confident that I had earned that spot. I earned this place. And I didn't audition once. I auditioned a lot of times. And I, you know, I was a nobody at the time. So that the studio at the time wanted a bigger name. And I was like the wild card and like, you know, but Edgar fought for me and believed in me. And so I felt really confident. I remember being on that first day on set with, it was Jamie and John and, and, and the whole cast. And I was sitting there and I was like, oh my God, I'm in this, this is happening and I have to own it. And I did. And especially the dynamic between our both characters, I had to be very confident or else it would not work, you know, between Buddy and Darling. A wild card, maybe, but one that wound up making a huge impression. So from my limited perspective, Baby Driver was the one that, yeah, of course, I guess kind of made you a household name in, in a sense. Is that the way that it felt to you where that movie kind of blew the door wide open to opportunities you didn't have before? 
totally totally because it was different you know when we did the show also wasn't like it wasn't like the boom that it is to do shows now in the sense we were like a third or fourth netflix original series like at the time it wasn't as humongous as it as it is now um but it was and then baby driver was just you know we were lucky it was such an underdog success i remember when we were making it no one really knew about it funny enough i talked about it with michael bay recently because i did go to a dinner and he was like what are you who are you and i was like oh i'm you know this mexican actor as i've done this mall movie he's like what's this movie and i was like baby driver he's like I don't know it. I was like, yeah, it comes out next year. And like, funny enough, I was like, we met like five, like seven years ago and we talked about it. And now here we are. And he's like, everything I kept on watching was like baby driver, you and, and all these things. And I was just like, I really want to work with her. So, you know, it was, it's cool to see like the, where it started, where it's now, but yeah, that was a movie kind of like changed the game for me. Going back to Robert briefly, because of how you described your working relationship with him on From Dust Till Dawn, how did that change when you hit uh, Alita Battle Angel? And maybe at that point, you know, you had you had grown a lot and you had gained some of that confidence. I had just came off of a Baby Driver. Uh, a good note is I was not going to be able to do Baby Driver because I was locked into the third series of From Dust Till Dawn. And Robert knew that it was so important to me that he rewrote the third season to get me out of the third season more so I could go do that movie. So honestly, what I keep on saying is like, Robert Rodriguez is just a legend. He is the best. If it wouldn't have been for him, it wouldn't have happened probably. And in every shape or form, he brought me here. He believed in me. He allowed me and enabled me to go do that job. So then Alita Battle Angel came around, but I knew about Alita for a long time because I'd been working with him for so long. He was so excited. He kept on showing us all about Alita. We heard when he James had just let him know that he was going to do Alita we were there, you know, we were a family, we worked three years together. And I never thought, you know, I heard a lot about Alita, but I never thought there was something for me. Also, I was also a known actress and the cast was really, you know, massive. And I remember he called me, he said, I have this very small role in Alita Battle Angel, but it's really cool. And I think you would do such a good job. And he's like, but here's the gist, you have to audition for it. James does not let anyone be in the movie unless they get audition and he sees them. So I was like, okay, let's do it. I'll audition. I'm always game to audition. I like love auditioning. I've, I, I've learned to love it because it also allows me to feel like I earned something. Um, it's nice to get offers, but it, it's, it, it's game, you know, it's game time for me. And so I did and I auditioned and... James eventually liked it and he gave me his seal of approval and I went to set and then James tried to make my role bigger because he really liked what we had done. So we try to like stretch it as much as possible. But I was, I mean, I always, I never stopped geeking out. I was like, I'm with Christoph Waltz. What's happening? Like I'm licking Christoph Waltz's face. What is happening? Like it was so crazy. And it was so fun to do that job because it was also the rise of Rosa Salazar at the moment. And I was so excited to see her. She's so hardworking and such a strong woman with like a vision and a clarity and such a good actress and she tackled this so beautifully so but it was nice because I went back to my crew it was all my crew for three years so then it was just like going back home with my best friends it was very cool and I've always believed that doing roles no matter how big or small it will help your career for instance it was a small role and probably someone else would have been like I'm already baby driver had already been successful so it could have been like man I'm not gonna do this but at the same time, for me, it was just like, it enables someone like James Cameron to see me, to know who I am. And even there's no small character. Thanks to that, 
James had a very limited amount of people that he was going to audition for Avatar. And he considered me to audition for Avatar after that. He would have never read me. It was like a five people list and I then auditioned for it. Eventually it didn't go my way, but it allowed me to move forward in my career than I wouldn't have otherwise it would have taken a little bit longer. So there's never a small role. There's never a small, especially when you're working with incredible filmmakers, with incredible directors, with incredible DPs, it always adds layers to your career. No small role and no small uh, film either. I was just talking to someone that it was Catherine Waterston and she had done this itty bitty film early on that she thought no one was ever going to see. Paul Thomas Anderson sees her in that and then years later casts her in Inherent Vice. That's what happens. That's what happens, really. Speaking of no small role, Hobbs and Shaw, please tell me they left the door open because all I wanted when that movie was over is to know everything about her and how she wound up in that position. That's so funny. Yes. So there, there's a very funny story to this. So when I was doing um, Bloodshot, I, um, I got a call and I had just gotten off for both Hobbs and Shaw and Godzilla versus Kong at the same, it was the same week at the same time. And I really wanted to do both, but they were going to have like a schedule conflict because, um, the character both required more time. And so, Dwayne and his team were so incredible about it because they were like, we really like her. We really want her to be in the movie. How do we make this work? So they worked around my Godzilla versus Kong schedule, which was like, um, basically we were changing from one location to the other, from Hawaii to Australia. He's like, we'll take, and I said, I'm game to not have vacations. It was the holidays. So I remember I was like, I'm game to not have vacations if I can go do that. And then of course the conversation was to live in the Fast and Furious franchise. And it's something that I had discussed with Donna Langley before. And I was like always wanting to find something with Universal because I love them. So I uh, eventually was like, I'm game. I don't care again, no small role. And it was so fun. And it just opened the possibilities for the franchise. And it's such a humongous franchise that now they're doing a all female um uh, fast and furious. And like, it just, it's a whole network of family. And at the same time, at the time I was working with Vin Diesel and he just gave me his seal of approval. I texted him. I said, Hey, this is going to happen. I hope you prove it. And he's like super excited for me. So it was really cool. It was like very full circle. I, I love hearing all that. There's so many other things that I want to hit. And I already realized I'm running out of time. I do want to ask one I care a lot question, even though we already spoke about this. It's just specifically, what was your reaction when Rosman won the Golden Globe? Oh my God. My reaction over here. was crazy. I'm going to take an extra second to show you because I have these really funny photos. So first of all, I was really drunk when this happened. I was like out and about and I was like, I'm not going to worry if we win or we lose. I'm just like excited that this is happening because for me, her winning is me winning because it's like my pride wife. Like I'm like, oh, my wife, she's so beautiful. She's so talented. So anyway, my stylist styles Julie Gardner and she called me in the middle of the night because it's pretty late and Rosamond was like 4 a.m. with her. She's like, Rosamond just won. And I remember falling to the floor and I took a picture of myself and that's what I'm trying to find as we speak. Oh, I hope I can find it. And I FaceTimed her and I'm like drunk on the floor, just like rolling. And I just cried. We both cried together. I think that we did I Care A Lot being a very small independent movie. We didn't have backup that we have right now. Here we are. So you can see I'm really excited and I'm crying. That's Rosamund crying, but that I, that's me crying. <laughs> and I kept, and I just kept on rolling. We're so 
Look at that wifey. I'm so excited. Look at that face. I'm like, but it was a small movie and seeing, you know, the ripple effect. And I was just so proud of her. She worked so hard. She deserved every single moment of it because I've never seen a dedication the way she is. She's so involved. She's so hands-on. And again, no small role. When at the time this movie came around, I dropped out of other two movies to do this because I felt very confident that this was the right choice and this was the movie and the role that I needed to do. It helped me get out of like the stigma and stereotype of like a bombshell or like a sexy Latina. It was just like a cool, edgy character that had a lot of heart and a lot of love. And the effect that it has had thanks to like the platforms and Netflix has been crazy. So I'm very grateful. I, I love that that movie was embraced as much as it was. I do too. So now I've got a little, uh, a bit of an Instagram snooping question for you because I was scrolling through and I came across a post that you wrote about dealing with the industry in the sense that it often kind of dictates what you can wind up being within it. So do you have any examples of maybe a specific filmmaker or a specific project that didn't box you into something that has now inspired you and given you something to take that you can actually use as you pursue a, uh, I guess, a career in producing or some more producerial roles? Yeah, it was definitely, I care a lot. I think that the way that um, Jay approached the casting of that movie to me was already a success. Whether the movie works or not, he just, the way he approached in life is very fluid. His energy is very fluid. You know, he's a very confident man. The fact that he could have casted anyone and believed in me and just my biggest champion, he believed and he pushed and he would really um, want to diversify the cast as much as possible for no more reason than just making it feel more special and unique because he's quirky like that. I love that. And it boosted my confidence in the sense of I can tell different stories. I can do this. I, I, I'm not going to let the, the industry dictate me that I can only do this or that. So now I have a lot of fun because besides obviously the things that I'm looking at to produce and create as an, as an producer or eventually would love to direct – I also have fun in my auditions. Like, I feel more confident than ever of changing up my look, cutting my hair, using a wig, changing an accent, trying. You know, I auditioned for like the new Game of Thrones. I was like, I'm not British, but I'm going to try. Like, let's try. Let's play. What is the worst I can get? A no. Like, okay, that's a given. I'm already a Mexican woman who's an immigrant. The no is always a given for me. So that's the beauty of also being a minority. You're so accustomed to the word no that I'm like, doesn't even rub me like it doesn't even like now I'm just always waiting for the yes I'm I'm not threatened by a no anymore it's just like it flies over my head I got high hopes the yeses are going to keep coming and that as a producer you're going to create yeses for some other people out there who don't That's get my right biggest now. intention for sure one more Instagram question before I get into Godzilla and Kong because <laughs> I think it was the next thing I watched the bike fall video are you okay my god you know, this is just the perfect example that social media has destroyed our brains, that we are just becoming so basic. I was like, what was I even thinking when I was doing this? The truth of the matter is what I was thinking is I saw my friend whip out his phone and I was like, I'm going to be cute. I'm so stupid. I'm bank. And then I obviously God was like, basic, you're going to fall and you deserve it. 
for being so, so self-absorbed, but it was really funny. And I, I felt like I had to share the real story because I, I guess we get to see so much of the glitz and glamor on social media. And I do, you know, I'm, we're part of a machine and you show like the beautiful side or whatever, but I can also show you that like my pants are not tied and I just ate a lot of food and I fell off my bike and that's just the real life. And not everything's perfection, but it was pretty, it was so basic of me. I feel so embarrassed. I feel like it's a nice thing for everyone to be able to laugh, but yeah. only because you were okay after it happened. Yeah, ish. It was okay, ish. <laughs> All right. Jumping into uh, Godzilla versus Kong now, I guess in a sense here, because you've worked on a number of very big studio movies that are very heavy on the CGI. So with all this experience now, twofold question. Do you find that there's a shared trait amongst all the great directors who can handle a project like that? And then also, what is it about Adam that made him stand out from the pack? It's interesting. I think that what really becomes challenging for filmmakers in these movies is balancing out the requirements and the requests from a studio and the idea and then the creative and then bringing to life. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of uh, pressure being put in a director and it just becomes who can take the pressure better than others. And do you cave or you don't cave it? This is like I've always said this, this industry more than anything, it's a game of resistance like who can take more and really how do you do it as elegantly as possible and he was great at it like he was just really I think the good thing about Adam was multiple things he's inherently a nerd so he geeked out about every single thing in the most cute endearing beautiful way as a director but also inspired confidence um I think we what I could see in a way is like he was equal parts excited but terrified and that's okay i think that that's okay to normalize to be terrified with that amount of expectation because it sort of made us all feel okay that we were all terrified like you know alexander was helming a lot of the story and i think he's sometimes scared because you're up to all these odds that you don't know really what's going to be the outcome it's like these non-existing characters we got to create a story between us and make it believable and how far is too far how little is too little and how do we balance all of this information so I was just so proud of Adam and honestly I was even more proud when I saw the outcome because it's a whole different ball game you can do the best you can on set but there's so many intricacies that come afterwards that he navigated so well that the movie turned out so entertaining and fun and I, I hope that the audiences enjoy it because we had a lot of fun making it I I can't imagine otherwise. It's just yeah. you, you can't see two cinematic icons like Godzilla and Congo at it and not enjoy that. How lucky are we that we got to kill two birds with one stone? I'm like, I'm in a Kong and a Godzilla movie at the same time. That's awesome. I have one question about your character because we don't get this scene in the movie. Did you ever get to shoot anything with Damien who I just absolutely adore and everything I see him in? No, I love him. We were just talking about it. We were on interviews right before this. And one of the things we really were sad about is that we didn't get the chance to, I, we didn't get to shoot a lot in general. Like I never met Millie. 
or Julian or Brian. So it's crazy because we worked on this film for seven months and we never met. And I didn't get to spend time with Damien and him and I had met before to find something to work together with. And eventually when we got this, we're like, eh, this is kind of, but not really. So we're trying to do a, another one. Hopefully we're like, let's find something. Um, but yeah, I love him. He's so talented. He's such an, you know, a Mexican icon. I admire him. He does this. So he jumps from one movie to the other. That That's kind of my dream of a career. He does, you know, he does Midnight Sky with Clooney. And then he just did a very small independent movie in Mexico. And then he just went and did this. He's always on it. He's just an artist. And I, I get so inspired by him seen him in a lot of things recently and I always feel like he's a perfect example of an actor who always elevates everything around him when he's in he has a such a sense of reality to what the way he carries himself he's so grounded you can see me I'm flimsy I'm like and he's just like locked in and it's something that I've always admired about him and actors like him is just the stoicness that there's so much emotion within his persona and I, he's a, he's a, you know, a, a Mexican icon for us. We're very proud of him. I get really inspired by him and I'm so happy that there's a possibility to have two Mexicans in a movie, not one. And it has nothing to do with us being Mexican, which is great. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for legendary and, and Warner brothers taking chances on diversity. It's important. And, and letting us portray something that has nothing inherently to do with our nationality, but elevates it and helps us to be seen and portrayed worldwide because this movie is a big scale movie in the way that we feel that is very honorable. So they're going to kick me out of here soon, which is sad because I have a million more questions for you, but we always end ladies night with some rapid fire, random questions. So go. I'll start off with the light stuff. What's okay. the most recent show that you binge watch? I just been watched uh, the Woody Allen versus Mia Farrow documentary. Ah, I haven't gotten there yet, but I have, uh, I've heard lots about it. Mm, yeah. Intense. Have you picked up any new hobbies while we've been in lockdown? You've also been working a lot. <laughs> Yes, I did. But it was, um, it was good because it was correlated to my last job. I sort of really got into, uh, medical jargon and work. So I learned how to do my own IVs. So now I can do my own IVs. <laughs> kind of terrifying, but I did. I learned. I grew up on ER. So I always wonder if, you know, all those actors can actually do all those procedures now. Well, I don't know if they can, but I can for sure. I don't know if I can save someone's life, but I can definitely cure a hangover for myself. All right. That's important stuff to know. What is a line of dialogue from one of your movies or shows that you will never, ever forget, no matter how far you're removed from that production? Mine? or so, I, I feel like I have that line from Rosamund when she says, you're so sadly beat by the fact that I have a vagina. Like that, that line to me, and because I don't have a dick and balls, like I think that just because you have a dick and balls doesn't automatically make you smarter. And I thought it was like, so I was like, oh. This is so real. I love this. Plus choice right there. So this is our last question on every ladies night. It's a deep question. You could take it lighter. You can go deep with it if you want. But what is the biggest fear that you've ever had that you've actually managed to overcome? Ooh, what is the biggest fear I've ever had that I've overcome? I feel like I never overcome my fears. Or made progress with overcoming. I, I, I actually feel like I have a little bit of a stage fright and a performance uh, fright. And even though I feel very confident about 
how I speak English. Sometimes I get really self-conscious about it, especially because um, I know it well enough that I can move quickly, but sometimes not as well as I would like to keep up with my American co-stars. So like, I want to take, you know, sometimes direction that the way that they do, and I wouldn't move as quickly as they, and I naturally can. And I think that that was something that made me very self-conscious at the beginning of my career. And I'm slowly unwiring that through my, out of my psyche. But I do, I do feel like, I think that sometimes the imposter syndrome that I have inherently terrifies me. And I feel like I've been told so many times that I've made it here for certain reasons that I doubt myself. And when I'm on set, I'm like, I don't deserve to be here. I don't, why am I here? And sometimes that terrifies me, but I've been lucky enough to the last few years to work with actors and uh, directors that make me feel more confident about my performance. Um, and that's inherently just talking about work. There's a lot of personal fears that I feel like they're still inherently there. But that's one of, of them that I, I feel like slowly I'm overcoming and I feel happier because that was something that really paralyzed me with fear. Well, I am, I'm glad you're overcoming that and you're seizing the millions of opportunities that are kind of at your fingertips right now. I'm so happy for you. Huge congratulations on Godzilla versus Kong. And just in general, thanks for being such a pleasure always whenever we talk. I feel like your enthusiasm for your work kind of radiates, at least for now, through the screen. And, and it's infectious. And I love that. Thank you. I appreciate it, Perry. You're always wonderful. Thank you for taking your time and making me part of this ladies yeah. day. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.